But you have to know when to stop talking, too, because you can, when their eyes start glazing over, it's time to stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Welcome to Walk Like a Hebrew. I'm your host, Jody O'Dell. This is Episode 8, Part 2 of an interview with Ron and Pam Custer of Northern California. This podcast is entirely listener-supported, so if you like what you hear and you'd like to hear more, please consider making a donation by visiting sheholdsforth.com and clicking the Donate button. That's S-H-E-H-O-L-D-S-F-O-R-T-H dot com. And one more thing, if I may, if you listen on a podcast app that encourages listener reviews, I would definitely appreciate a good review. Good reviews can help get this podcast noticed and listened to by more people. Last week, we heard the Custer's story of traveling the country in a bus, ministering wherever there was a need, encountering some interesting characters, and finally, how they were encouraged not to keep the Torah by a well-meaning but misguided church leader. Let's pick up their story again. You said you had some scriptures that were very meaningful when you started on this walk. When we started on this walk, it was through a crisis of faith. My oldest son was going through a huge psychosis. He had uh, he has bipolar. Okay. And he was um, going through some terrible, terrible times with mental illness at that time and coming down off of drugs. And it, it threw me into a crisis of faith. Because here we were serving the Lord full time, and this poor young man was just off the rails. Mm -hmm. So I started begging God to help me. Somehow I realized that I didn't know how to pray. And so I started begging him to teach me how to pray, which looking back on it is begging him to teach me how to be in communication with him, just close communication. And when that happened, I went into a season of four or five months, I think it was, of deep, deep prayer deep ferreting out the scriptures. I had been going through scriptures a lot for about three years. I had been buried in scripture, but this was bringing scripture out so that it would mean something. And I realized that I didn't know anything, anything about his word and that what we were being taught, we were in a word of faith church at that time. What we were being taught wasn't right. And we're getting ready to leave that church and so, of course, everything in the in the Word of Faith movement is about, you know, the end times. Yeah. And, um, and I was reading through Thessalonians, and I came to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, where it says, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And I just burst into tears, and I thought, Paul, you've got to come back. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about here that I should know perfectly because uh, we had gone through so many different end times ministries and all, and we had pretty much decided we were just going to kind of leave that alone for a while. And then God brought us into this whole thing, which ended up being part of the whole, I hate this phrase, but they called it the holy laughter movement. Oh, it was evil beyond evil. Yeah. And the father showed us a lot of stuff through that whole thing. And it's information that I'm actually using right now. Um, the Messianic movement is bringing that into itself. Oh. And I don't think it's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> really disturbed about it, actually. And I then I haven't heard of that yet. So it started about seven ish years ago. 
Okay. Um, where the gentleman who brought it over from South Africa joined up with another very, very, very popular Messianic teacher, and they were doing stuff together. And oh. it kind of spilled over, and since then it's been growing, and we're starting to see the fruit of that now. Wow. So um, that's one of the things that I I really wanted to let people know is that this thing's coming, and it it is a huge deception and a huge delusion. And it it actually, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday about that, um, how people get sucked into it and what it does to them and how difficult it is for them to get out of it. Right. So the other thing was Colossians 2, verse 16, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival, what the heck is that, or a new moon. Are you serious? Uh-huh. Or Sabbath, plural. And then it says in 17, which are a shadow of things to come. Things to come? You mean this is the end time? This is this is all about the end times? These two little verses is about the end times? And I thought, why don't we know anything about this? And so that was, uh, we were already keeping the Sabbath, but I knew nothing of Sabbaths or new moons or festivals or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Paul actually says, they are the substance of things to come. They're the shadow of things to come. And the substance is of Christ. And I thought, well, if, if this is the picture, then why why don't we know about this? So those were the two things. I mean, if I had to pick two, those were probably the two that set us on this path. And they were very timely because we ended up at that March for Life and the Messianic congregation marching down the street just weeks later. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, it's really hard to put your finger on one thing. You think you understand something and then a few months or even a year or so later, you find out that what you have believed up to that point isn't necessarily what he wants you to follow and and do. So you have to be willing to have an open mind and not hold on to any, especially any doctrine that has been taught by man or or the church. And this is nothing against the church. It's just that, you know, they, the pastors and, and people go to seminaries and they're taught what the seminaries teach. And yeah. it's not necessarily everything that is in God's word. Right. And it's just not. And, and that's okay. Um, yeah. But... Our walk has been many little journeys that led us to what we believe now. And several giant paradigm shifts. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like an earthquake. Yes, like an earthquake. And to just go back and read some of the historical things that have happened during the time of the Bible and of the early scriptures and the, the apostolic writings, it's just amazing to put it all together. It's like a giant puzzle. And you don't really see the picture until all the pieces are in place. Right, right. And we still have a few pieces that we're looking for the right corners to fit in. <laughs> yeah. I have more than a few, but yeah. but there are a few few pieces that, you know, the, the, the shape's right, but the color's wrong. So it doesn't fit right there yet, right. yet. And that is the, I think that's the biggest thing that if I could relay anything to anybody, don't give up until all the the pieces are in and we might not be able to see all the pieces but we will see the the part of the puzzle that he gives us to see yes the thing with torah is you can't keep it by yourself no no you torah can't. Is all about community torah is at least one third if not closer to half 
all about repairing broken relationships, yes. which means that it assumes that we're going to break things. <laughs> it tells right? us we are. <laughs> it doesn't you... say we do these things. It says when these things happen, yeah. this is, this how, you is how you repair it and, and, and carry on. Torah is all about uh, repairing and redeeming and restructuring and going forward again. You can't go forward in a broken car. You know, it has to run right. I think that's one of the things most people don't understand about the Torah is its basic foundational training in how to live. It's not so much teaching as it is training. When you train a child up in certain things, they're hardwiring. Starting out in Christianity didn't have that benefit. No. And so we've, we've had to go through the process of tearing down and re, re-hardwiring, putting in a new hard drive. It's very difficult, very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, and what you were saying earlier, one of you was saying earlier about holding too tightly to the doctrines of our youth that may not necessarily be the correct doctrine. Right. That is something that I've also struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all do. We all do. Absolutely, we all do. It's our hardwiring. Yeah. It's our default. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And truly, I think the most important thing we've ever done in this whole 30, 27 plus years has been to read the Torah portions every year. Yeah. Because we've just soaked in the Torah for 27 years. You don't even have to study it. Just <laughs> relax. Just relax and read it and ask questions and pray over it and enjoy it and read it with other people. And it changes you little by little like it's supposed to. And the glory about that is if you read it with a group of people, if there's new people reading it with you that have just started coming into this movement, they can have wonderful insights that you've overlooked because or forgotten. you're or, <laughs> or forgotten. forgotten. Yes. Or both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's wonderful. It's it's very fulfilling. Well, what do you guys call yourselves when someone asks you what your religion is? It's just on who we're talking to. And that might sound funny, but you know, if you're if you're speaking to someone in a in a that you meet on the street, somebody that you worked with or for or something like that, you you have to kind of know where that person is coming from, mm-hmm. uh, ask them some questions, and then you can answer something that will probably make more sense to them than if you just blurt out what <laughs> any any anything written down on a on a card. Well this is right. this is my mission statement. This is what I believe. Right. Because yeah, you can really put people off to where they, they don't want to hear anymore about what you're trying to learn or accomplish. That is like like our walk. There wasn't any one particular thing that necessarily brought us here and there's not any one particular thing that I tell people about what we're doing. I, I kind of ask them questions and, and give them an idea of what we're doing. But you have to know when to stop talking too because you can when their eyes start glazing over it's time to <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hopefully you stop before that happens. Yeah. Hopefully. Well. <laughs> yeah. It was real easy to blow people out of the water, you know, just telling them that we're right, you guys are wrong. <laughs> You've been wrong yeah. your whole life. <laughs> you're keeping Christmas, you're going to hell. So anyway, um, my side of that question is, 
if I'm talking to Christians, I call myself a Christian. If I'm talking to Messianics, I call myself Messianic. If I'm talking to Hebrew roots, I call myself Hebrew roots. If I'm talking to somebody that doesn't know any of those, what any of those things is, I just tell them I love God and I read his Bible. <laughs> and I try to do what it says. That's And those are my answers. Really, it took us a long time to learn not to try and teach somebody something with every word that popped out of our mouth. Yeah. Yeah. That relationships are far, far more important than being right. And um, yeah, you can't you can't teach anybody anything if you don't have a relationship with them. Right. Oh man, that's not the truth. Right. And if you put them off starting out the gate, then you'll never have that opportunity to introduce them to this amazing, compassionate, loving, kind father that we've come to know through our walk and our studies that and is, our prayer life. Yes. He's not the same. No, he is He is not the God that I was taught in any of the places that I've ever been. Any of them. It's not who he is if you read his word. Right. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's all-loving. He's long-suffering. He's all the things that he needs to be so that he doesn't squish us in our process. <laughs> and the thing is, we all start out thinking one thing, like children, about what God is and who God is. Mm-hmm. And then as we grow and mature, we learn more about him and our picture of him changes. Yeah. And it was the same way through the Christian church. My pictures of him changed. And it was through a crisis of life, through suffering, that um, that I realized that I didn't have a prayer life. I prayed. I thought I prayed. I prayed the way people said I should pray, but it, it wasn't working. And and I realized that I needed to go to him and find out how to pray. Yes. And once that fell into place, then I was able to listen to his voice and walk in his ways. And we've become closer and closer and closer. And the closer you become to this magnificent God, the more loving and kind and compassionate he becomes to you. Well, can you guys share your your top three favorite teaching resources? Well, you know, I I was looking at that this morning, and and Skip Moen. Skip Moen, yes. Skip Moen, he has enlightened me in many ways. What I like about Skip, he doesn't teach you what to think; he teaches you how to think. Yes. And yes. how to yes. to study, and and that's I like that. I like that. And Rick Spurlock. Every week on Sabbath morning, we read his insights for that portion, and we also do other studies with him. BereansOnline.org. Um, BereansOnline, yes. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful source, wonderful resource. Yes, uh, <laughs> I agree. And uh, another gentleman that I like reading his stuff and listening to him is Nehemia Gordon. Uh-huh. He is a Karaite Jew, and he looks at things differently than uh, our Christian brothers and sisters or even Even rabbis (laughs) and the Jews. And he just looks at things. I think if I could describe myself in a term that some people might understand would be, I believe that I am more Karaite than just about anything else, because I, what does God's word say about it? Yes. How is it explained in this book we call the Bible? Yes. And if there's anything else that comes along, does it completely agree with the Bible? Then listen to it or or read it. Gleaning from teachers or listening to teachers is like eating a fish dinner. You know there's going to be bones in it. 
<laughs> there's going to be things that you have to set aside. Yes. You can't just put it all in your mouth and chew it down. You have to you have to go through and pick out the bones. And if it's more bones than meat, you simply throw it away and and start over again. Yeah, and well, that's that a has, great analogy. <laughs> yeah, it is because every time I start reading something, a book uh, that has to do with you know some kind of a teaching, if there's more bones in the first little bit of it than there is good hearty meat to eat. I set it down and I don't go back to it. Yeah, it's just yeah. not worth it. Well, that yeah. makes good sense. That makes good sense. It's worked for me. <laughs> yeah. So you've got uh, Nehemia Gordon. Uh, that's nehemiaswall.com. Right. Rick Spurlock at bereansonline.org. And Skip mm-hmm. Moen at skipmoen, M-O-E-N.com. Anything else? Or those are, those, I know those are your favorites. Those are my favorites. Those are Ron's you know, favorites. Okay. What are your yeah. favorites? Pam. <laughs> well, my very favorite of all time is my very first Messianic teacher, and that's Joseph Good. Joseph Good. That's the temple teacher. What's his website? Hatikva. Hatikva. is the name of his ministry. It's on our computers, and we just go to it. We don't yeah. really look at it every time. We started with Joe. I started with Joe. Ron started someplace else, but I started with Joe. And um, the thing I loved about Joe is that he gave us a wonderful foundation in how to read the scripture Mm. on the calendar, how to interpret the calendar when you come to a certain place, how to figure out where you're at on the calendar. Uh Um, And that started us on a road where we started realizing and seeing the patterns of evidence in scripture for why the scripture was canonized the way it was. I actually have three goy and two rabbis that I love. Okay. <laughs> two Jews. So Joe Good and then, of course, Rick Spurlock because we read him. We read Skip Moen every morning. And then my favorite, Nehemia. Uh-huh. Nehemia has been instrumental in the way we walk out our calendar and all that stuff. But he's actually been instrumental in teaching us some really important things about the New Testament. Yes. And then my very, very favorite out of all the rabbis that I know um, that aren't dead, <laughs> is uh, Rabbi Sachs. Rabbi Sachs. And I love Rabbi Sachs because Rabbi Sachs has the most magnificent way of explaining the Jewish heart, I think, of all the rabbis, yeah. for me anyway. His heart for God and God's heart in his explanations is very similar to the heart of God that I know. So I love Rabbi Sachs. Okay. Um, and there again, you know, fish and bones. Fish and bones. <laughs> fish and bones. Always, but always. Um, my favorite Sidur is the Corin Sachs Sidur. Yes. And mostly because of Rabbi Sachs' explanation in the beginning in the introduction of understanding Jewish prayer. So that's my favorite of all the Sidurs, of which I have many. All right. So what about Bill Bullock? You know, we read him almost every Shabbat morning, mm-hmm. and we started reading his teachings probably five years ago. And it's been longer than that. It's been a while. And we were trying to go through the whole teaching, which is like... Every week. Every week. And it, we found that in... We couldn't do that. <laughs> not along with everything else we were doing. And so this, it's been like three years ago. We just went back and read the introduction one year. And then we went to Monday the next year. And then Tuesday the next year. And Wednesday... This year. This year. And so that's been really good. And I love Bill Bullock's heart. 
I I like the way he involves himself in in what's going on in the Torah portions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love him because when I'm reading, especially what we're at right now with the crossing of the Red Sea and all of that stuff, yeah. uh, I, I put myself into that story, and he does too. He talks about we went through the sea, we yes. came to yes. Sinai, we did this and we did that because this these are our people and this is our history. Yeah. And I started referring to these stories as my stories years ago. Yeah. So when we when we ran across Bill Bullock, um, our hearts really identified identified with him. With him yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for spending time explaining this stuff. I've known you guys for years, and I learned a whole bunch of new things just in this <laughs> hour. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's hard to boil our story down. It is. I know. I I absolutely understand. It's hard for most of us. Yes, it is. Yep. Thank you for listening to Walk Like a Hebrew. Remember to visit sheholdsforth.com where you can find more shareable links to the podcast episodes, a donation link, and more. Many thanks to Jack Lane of Folsom, California for the music. His CD can be found at jackmlane.com. May Yahweh bless you. We'll catch you next time.